Hey, you here? Of course you are. You wouldn't miss this one. Coming at you from the coast of Carolina, this is the Paul Leslie Hour. Wherever you are, north, south, east, or west, we want to welcome each and every one of you to another episode. You know, through 19 years of interviews, this is quite a sizable archive. Now, this episode features a telephone interview with the great Billy Vera. Oh, yes, that Billy Vera. You may know Billy Vera and the Beaters and their supremely successful hit song, At This Moment. Billy's a musician, a singer, a songwriter, an actor, an author, and music historian. Now, this interview took place surrounding the release of his album, Big Band Jazz. It's an exceptionally cool album. You ought to check it out. Oh, right. Speaking of checking out, thank you to all the new people who subscribe to the Paul Leslie YouTube channel. We're getting close to 100 subscriptions since the new year began. If you haven't yet, please consider subscribing. It keeps you in the loop whenever a new interview or review comes out. Side note, Paul has also asked me to introduce the newest addition to his file. She's a six-month-old pup, currently 26 pounds and learning how to behave pretty quickly. More on that to come. Okay, there's no real reason to delay, so it is indeed time for the Billy Vera interview. Let's hear that tape. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my pleasure to welcome our special guest, Billy Vera. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, great to be here, Paul. Thanks for having me. How do you define Billy Vera? Oh, boy. Never never been asked that question before. Gee, just a guy that likes music and tries to make a living at it, I guess. Take us back a little bit. What was life like growing up? Well, I grew up just outside of New York City in the suburbs in White Plains, New York. And my parents were at show business. My dad was an announcer on NBC. My mom was a singer, background singer on the Perry Como show. So I had show business, you know, professionalism around me all the time. And then discovered rock and roll at a very young age, 11 or 12 years old, and fell in love with that music. What music did you especially enjoy growing up? Well, it was pretty broad, my taste, because my mom brought home some pretty good stuff. She had the early Sinatra albums, songs for swinging lovers and songs for young lovers, and she brought home a Duke Ellington album, and I listened to some of her stuff. And then I listened to the stuff of, of my generation as well. You know, I liked Fats Domino and Chuck Berry, Little Richard. Frankie Lyman and the Teenagers and and all that, that early rock and roll stuff. Between the stuff my mom had and, and the rock and roll of my 11, 12-year-old generation, that was pretty influential stuff. Tell us about the first time you ever wrote a song. Hmm. Well, I guess it was, you know, my mom had a piano in the living room, and, and I had, had a guitar and uh, some drums. I was banging away on the piano and 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 came up with a little something that oh it was sort of like 
like the doo-wop stuff, like the Frankie Lyman stuff. You know, my parents were nice enough to let me go in and do a, a demonstration record of it because with my mom's voice teacher, and nothing happened with it, you know. It was just probably a little not quite right yet. But the first song I ever took to a publisher, now that was a different story. We had we had made a, my little band and I had made a record that saw a little bit of noise, sort of split each side, you know, like one side was popular in Pittsburgh and Connecticut and around that area. Those, those were the days of the uh, regional hits. And the other side was popular in Texas and Louisiana. So, you know, I went, the, the guy, had, I, I had written that side. And the guy at the record company said, you know, that's a pretty good song. Do you, you have any more? I played a couple more songs, and, and he liked two of them and gave me $35 a piece for them and let us go in and make demonstration records of them. And a couple of weeks later, he, he said he called me up and he said, hey, I got a record on one of your songs. I said, really? And I figured I'm a nobody, you know. It wasn't going to be anybody saying B-side. He said, no, no, it'll be the A-side, and, and it'll be Ricky Nelson. So I said, wow, Ricky Nelson. I was kind of surprised because I had written it with with this new girl singer in mind, Dionne Warwick. But but Ricky cut it, and it, and he did it five weeks in a row on uh, the television show, uh, Ozzy and Harriet. And uh, it became a minor hit record. So there I was the first time out. I got lucky. Could you choose an artist that it has been especially thrilling to have recorded your work? Well, you know, being a Fats Domino fan as a kid, I was pretty thrilled when he recorded Make Me Belong to You. But by that time, his he, his career was not doing anything, but he, he, was, he made an album called Fats Is Back in the mid-60s, I guess, or late 60s. It was thrilling to, to hear him sing my melody and my words. Dolly Parton was a big thrill because I love Dolly, and, and that was my first number one song. I really got the feeling. You know, I guess those two were probably the most thrilling. How did you get interested in the sound that people commonly call big band? Well, I think that came from those albums that my mom brought home, the Sinatra albums, and and I guess Duke Ellington and Count Basie. She took me to see Count Basie one time, and I just, wow, I was blown away, you know, by the power of that sound, you know, all those instruments and just everybody just blowing their brains out. It was just an amazing band. And so I've always I've always liked I liked that stuff. My dad talked about big band when he was a kid. That was the music of his childhood. So he, he was always talking about that and that, that kinda got me interested in it too. And now you're going to have your own big band album. Tell us about this new album of yours. Well, let's see. I have been procrastinating years talking about it thinking about it but nobody was interested in in letting me record that they they saw me as really there in the beaters and with my nine-piece band doing you know our sort of mix of r&b and rock and roll i happened to be talking about it with this young girl singer i i had met named tamala d'amico and she was she's one of these people that just very encouraging and she just pushed me to do it. As it turned out, Michael Buble had recorded my song at this moment on his latest album. 
and you know he sells a lot of records. He sold about seven million records. So I realized my my son graduated college, so I don't have that expense. I said to myself, why not why not take one of the checks from Boo Blay and and uh, self finance the album myself? So we did. We went into Capitol Studio A. I I had connections there because I had produced the four Lou Rawls albums for that company and. So we went in there and hired 18 piece, piece band and, and got a great arranger named Chris Walden, young guy who from Germany who is really into the Count Basie sound. I picked the songs. You know, I'm a bit of a historian, a music historian. So I had the idea to how can I make this album different than just anybody else's big band album? Ah, I came up with the idea. I said, what about making it a tribute? to all the great black songwriters of the 20s, 30s, and 40s. So I picked songs like Since I Fell For You and If I Could Be With You One Hour Tonight and When It's Sleepy Time Down South and all these great songs that nobody realizes were written by black guys. And and it also, it, another reason I wanted to do it that way was people are always portraying black people as victims and and I said, you know, why not celebrate the successes? Why not celebrate the, the things that, that black people did that were successful in songwriting? So, you know, that was another reason that I, that I did that. So we went in and did it, and it was just thrilling to be singing in front of a, a huge band like that. So all those great musicians. So we did it, and it's done. <laughs> I wanted to ask about one of the songs in particular on the album. Tell us about Room with a View. Well, Room with a View I wrote with the great blues man, uh, Lowell Fulson, legendary blues man from the, from the 40s and 50s. We wrote that quite a few years ago. He's, he passed on now. And the song has become a minor blues standard. We've, Lou Rawls recorded it and Eric Burden and uh, Johnny Adams and a whole bunch of other people you never heard of. I recorded it with the Beaters, and I thought, well, you know, boy, this would have been a great song for, for Count Basie and Joe Williams, so why not do a big band version of it? So that's how that came about. Our special guest is Billy Vera. What about the song on there, At This Moment? Well, we did, Tamla, that was her idea. I had a big band chart already on that one from, from when I was on the Johnny Carson show. Years ago, at first, well, the first time we went on there, I did Johnny Carson's Tonight Show nine times. And the first time, they didn't want to pay for the whole, all the beaters. So they said, you got to re- perform with Doc Severinsen's band. Well, that's a great band. Who wouldn't want to perform with them? So I had, uh, I had somebody write a chart on, on At This Moment, which at the time was the number one record for me in the country. So Tamla said, why don't you put it on there as, even though it doesn't fit the the concept of the album, put it on there as a bonus track. In other words, if you if if people buy the album as a as a download or something like that, then then they can get at this moment as well in a big band version. Our original version is is available now already online and on CD. Is there a song on this album that is a favorite of yours? Oh boy, that's that's like which of your children is your favorite. I if I if I am forced into a corner and have to say 
I really love When It's Sleepy Time Down South, which was Louis Armstrong's theme song for many, many years. Chris Walden wrote a wonderful arrangement on that. So maybe I guess that might be my favorite. When you think back at all of the experiences you've had in the music business, what are you most proud of? Obviously, I'm, I'm proud of having having had a couple of number one records with at this moment with my band and also having written a number one song for Dolly Parton. I think in terms of pride, we got to go way back to 1967 and 68. I made a couple of hit records with a female singer named Judy Clay. Uh, we had a song called Storybook Children, which was uh, the first hit that I sang on. The follow-up was called Country Girl City Man. And we were the first racially integrated duo to sing love songs, which was a big deal back then. I mean, in fact, it kept us from being seen on television. For one thing, nobody wanted to put us on TV. We got to play at the Apollo Theater a couple of times, and that was a big thrill. And so I guess I guess when you say what are you proud of, I, I guess we, we made a little a little step in in racial integration back then, and that was a good thing. What is the best thing about being Billy Vera? What's the best thing about being Billy Vera? Hmm. I guess the fact that I've survived the the music wars and and still still am able to perform and sing music I love and able to hang in there and, and do what I love to do. You know, that's a great that's a great thing. I never had to take a day job. <laughs> My last question is very open-ended. What would you like to say to anyone who is listening in? Thank you for many years of, of allowing me to to perform and, you know, buying my records and coming to see me sing and tell my little stories and, and perform for you. And I'm very grateful for the life I've I've had in show business, so thank you all. I hope you come through Atlanta at some point. Well, that would be great. I've always enjoyed enjoyed the South. You know, I recorded in Muscle Shoals, Alabama, and in Memphis, Tennessee, and and we've always had a good good following. People people in the South have always seemed to like what I do, so I I'm doubly appreciate it being on uh, on your show in Atlanta. Thank you so much. Thank you for stopping by today. If you enjoyed our program, consider telling a friend about it. The Paul Leslie Hour is made possible through people just like you. So you want to keep the show going, right? Go to thepaulleslie.com. That's thepaulleslie.com. Click on Support the Show. And thanks to everyone who contributes. Performance of the intro music is courtesy of John Primerano, The Entertainer, written by Scott Joplin. End credit theme music is courtesy of John Primerano, the traditional song, Corina, Corina. Your announcer is Dan Gold. Hey, that's me. The show is hosted and produced by Paul Leslie. And we'll see you next time on the Paul Leslie Hour.